Hello, and welcome to the School Safety Free Period podcast and live stream. I'm Amanda Klinger. And I'm Dr. Amy Klinger. And we are the Educator School Safety Network. We are a national nonprofit organization, and we provide school safety training and resources and technical assistance throughout the United States and Canada. And uh, on this specific podcast, we are a little bit less formal. Um, we're still pretty serious. We're still pretty academic, but we're a little bit less formal, so we call this our free period. So um, those of you who are joining us live um, and those of you who are maybe listening at some point in time in the future, it's important to note that we are sort of still in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic here in the United States. So we are interrupting um, for another week our regularly scheduled programming to talk about the impacts on that crisis um, in education in the United States. So I know you had a couple of things we've talked about in previous episodes about the importance of communication planning and some of the different lessons that we hope people will learn about crisis response and planning moving forward after um, this crisis has subsided. Um, but I think today you wanted to kind of go in a little bit of a different direction and talk about some other concerns. Well, I think that not so much uh, concerns as, as sort of reflecting a little bit. I think probably one of the overwhelming things here is, you know, we need to be answering a lot of things with, I don't know, because we don't know. And there's so much uncertainty, but we also don't know. And so we have to be careful that we don't fall into the, I got it all figured out, uh, you know, don't bother me with the facts sort of thing. And instead really kind of reflect. And I was struck by that in terms of what's happening currently at this point in uh, the end of March, um, what's happening in terms of having this discussion, which really needs to be a discussion, not a debate, but a discussion about this push-pull between trying to protect folks and keep people safe and examining the associated costs with doing so. And there's nothing wrong with having that discussion. Actually, we must have that discussion. Um, and I, I see that as sort of a, an interesting parallel with school safety. And uh, Amanda, you have talked about people that have said to you, of course, this was six months ago when we were thinking about other things, who have said to you, we must do everything, no matter what cost, to prevent just one you know, child from being injured in a school shooting. We must do everything. And we were just starting to see, uh, you know, from the beginning of, of this calendar year, people starting to have a more nuanced discussion about school safety that really sort of looked at both, we must do everything we can to keep kids safe, mm -hmm. but we also must examine the costs, not financially, but be part of that, but also the unintended consequences and the other things that can happen instead of just putting blinders on and barreling down a road that says, no matter what, no matter what, we must pre prevent one death no matter what, and finding ourselves in a place in school safety where much of what we were doing ended up in some ways being counterproductive. And I don't fault that that happens, but what I found so encouraging prior to this happening in the pandemic was this beginning, this willingness to start having that discussion. Mm -hmm. And I think that translates to some very challenging discussions that school leaders and educators are going to have to, again, restart and have that surround more than just gun violence or school shootings, that surround other things associated with 
a larger view of school safety mm -hmm. um, and public health. And so I think that's kind of an interesting um, to sort of watch that evolve and hope that that robust discussion really starts happening. Well, I think it's, I think what you're talking about is kind of the distinction between taking calculated risk and minimizing risk in a really strategic way versus, well, maybe this will help. And this is sort of, you know, you see, uh, we're talking about the pandemic, you see the CDC, you know, saying that wearing masks for just people out in the world wearing masks, that's not recommended. And, you know, the people who are doing that, it's the mentality of, well, maybe this will work, maybe this will help, as opposed to taking guidance of calculated risks. What are the things that, you know, we know the CDC says social distancing and washing your hands. Those are things that we know will work and will help versus, yeah. well, maybe this thing will help too. And so I think hopefully one of the lessons when we come back to school that we can apply that is when we're talking about school safety broadly and generally, what are the things that are proven to mitigate our risk? And what are the things that we know this will mitigate our risk or will help us be more prepared or will increase our preparedness versus, well, maybe this will help. And that, that's how you get into a thing where we're you know firing blanks for the kindergartners to hear it. Well, maybe this would help as opposed to let's do something really strategic and really intentional. Well, and I think what makes it more complicated in this particular really you know unprecedented situation is that there is no there is very little certainty of what works and what doesn't and what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And there are, uh, you know, some core things that we know work, but then we begin to hear other things emerging that seem hopeful and maybe this will work and maybe that will work. And, and if we, again, are drawing that comparison between that and traditional, quote unquote, traditional school safety, there are things that we know work and don't work in terms of our daily operational things that we do in school safety. There's not a lot of uncertainty of, do you think supervision helps? We know supervision helps to keep kids safe. We know that um, you know, there, are, there are certain activities that we can do. We know that having a positive climate and culture does make a difference. So we have the benefit of some certainty and a good amount of research and a lot of practical application in regards to school safety, but we just weren't having those conversations. We were still being very reactionary. And so I, I think that's kind of an interesting parallel of we need to remind ourselves to go back to that of there are some things that we do know make sense, hand washing, adequate supervision, whatever those things are, mm -hmm. how do we center our discussions of school safety or public health around the things that we knew that we know with certainty do work and continue to fold in emerging things um, that we find? And so I think that's a really interesting sort of parallel that I hope we don't lose sight of. Yeah. So we've talked a lot in some of our other episodes where we're talking about coronavirus and the impact on education about moving forward and what are the lessons that we hope schools learn and how those might be applied to an all-hazard school safety approach. Um, but then I guess the question that we want to talk about is, so what are we going to do right now? Um, we still have a lot of schools that are not in session. Um, it seems like a lot of states that is going to continue. Um, potentially to the end of the school year. I know a couple states have already canceled school for the end of the year or canceled in-person instruction till the end of the year. And so yeah, 
I have a real con- I, I do have a real concern with that, and I have a, I have a lot of sympathy for the folks trying to make those decisions, and a lot of empathy for what they're trying to go through. But I think that we also have to explore the value of being able to bring kids back together. I had someone say to me the other day, well, what are you going to do if it's just two weeks? Two weeks, okay. Have closure, have recognition, have all those relationships reestablished. So I think we need to be really intentional about what the benefits are as well as the convenience. So, you know, when we, we want to do what's best for kids, not necessarily what's what seems to be convenient or cost-effective. But a lot of those decisions are really out of the hands of, you know, yeah. most educators and most building level school leaders. So then the yeah. question is, what are the things that are within the realm of control um, of educators and building level um, school leaders? And so we talked a lot about, you know, the you know incredible work that educators have done to transition to at home or online learning for students. And so then the question is, what about you? What about the teachers um, who have done all that work and now you know, students are learning at home and, you know, you're still being able to be involved with students to the extent possible. But what about the professional development for you? Um, we know that uh, teachers are among the most vociferous, uh, you know, or, or learners in the country. And so we know that the learning for teachers doesn't stop. And so we talked a lot internally about what can we do to make sure that um, the support that we provide and the resources and the training that we provide we do a lot of that face-to-face on-site with school districts. How can we transition, just like you all educators did, how can we transition some of that work to online? And so do you want to talk a little bit about some of the things that we put together? Well, I do think it's really important that, you know, teachers and, and parents, but but teachers are really, you know, scrambling to pull together what they're trying to do for online instruction for their kids. Um, and one of the concerns that we have is, you know, we, we want to be able to pull together quality information. We want to make sure that we that we're aware of the resources are out that are out there. But yet I've also had people say, you know, you're giving me a list of 500 websites. I can't go through all those websites and procure the best stuff. So it really is about your own professional development and building your own professional mm-hmm. capacity um, to build those skills and to be able to apply them in this virtual environment that you're currently doing, but also in in the environment that we will all return to um, when we're back in our classrooms. And I think that we we need to keep in in the forefront that building that that professional capacity is important, but also that the safety concerns don't melt away because we're sitting at a computer. Um, those relationships, those disclosures, all of the things that we talk about for violence prevention and for doing things to keep kids safe are still necessary and are still happening, um, but we're we're being forced to do them in a really different way. And so I think that professional development piece, we need self-care for our professional capacity as much as we need to be, um, you know, be concerned about what we're doing for our kids. So this is sort of what we have put together. We took a lot of our existing resources that we had, and then we've expanded to other things that made sense to be able to do in a digital environment. And so we have um, school safety alone together. Do you want to talk about the alone together moniker? Yeah, I really think that is such a powerful notion that we have this, even in a traditional classroom, or sorry, a traditional school, 
oftentimes teachers feel very isolated because I'm working in my own classroom with my door shut and it's just me and my and these, you know, 25 kids. And, and there is a sense of professional isolation, even sometimes when we're physically in buildings. And I think that's really even heightened when we are sitting here overwhelmed in front of a computer with just mountains of potential websites and demands and we're trying to juggle all these different things. And so I think this sense of community, of being alone and in this uncertainty educationally together really makes sense. And that's why we felt it was really important to be able to launch an opportunity for folks to put themselves together Mm-hmm. in groups that maybe would not have happened if we were working in our traditional workspaces. And so we're we're really trying to bring folks together for an opportunity to have that interaction while we're alone, to have to have that aloneness be together. So we have this page on our website and I'll include the link in the description of this video um, and in the description if you're joining us on a podcast. And we put together all of our online resources um, and we have on the website and talk a little bit about the need and and the concern. And we have it organized, you know, either uh, for if you are an educator um, and you're looking to do this yourself to enhance your own professional practice um, sort of with you or with people in your team or with your colleagues. And then we also have it organized for folks who are school leaders who are looking to provide professional development opportunities um, for your staff. You know, you said earlier about the sense of and about how important some of those um, milestones and some of those connections and emotional connections can be. And, you know, obviously educators are really concerned about the, the mental health and the social and emotional well-being of their students while their students are at home, but school leaders need to be similarly concerned about their staffs. And, and you talk about the isolation that maybe sometimes feel, you know, teachers feel in their classrooms, and, and that's a very real concern. And so we, you know, have information specifically for there. You know, we're working with schools and school districts and school leaders to develop professional development opportunities virtually at a safe social distance um, for their folks while we're in this sort of uh, new normal time. And you can see... And- and we've seen a lot of really, you know, I, I'm constantly amazed by the the creativity of educators. You know, we've seen them do teacher parades where they go in their cars and they drive through the town and wave to all their students. We've seen teddy bear hunts where they're putting bears in the window and the kids are riding around doing a scavenger hunt. We see all this creativity, which is awesome, directed towards our students and directed towards serving our students, which is absolutely appropriate and phenomenal. But the next step in that is how do we direct that same level of creativity and collaboration for our own professional development to make sure that we're doing what we can in the best interest of our students. And so this seems like the next sort of logical step in that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have obviously um, some of the free resources that we always have available are What Works Repository, um, which has a lot of information about evidence-based best practices and information that can help people in decision-making. We have our School Safety 101 course, which is self-paced and online and self-directed. We have the links to all of our webinars. We have some of our other resources and guides and things that are available to download. But I think the thing that we really wanted to draw people's attention to um, was a specific PLC that we're launching, um, which we're going to lead about our books. So we published our book with ASCD last fall, and we wanted to, we're going to lead a, uh, we're, we're going to be doing some of these PLCs specifically 
for schools, for specific school sites for their teams, but for teachers who are out there that maybe this isn't gonna happen at their school district level or at a building level, um, something that people can still join. And I still wanna participate in a book study. I still wanna do a PLC. I wanna meet people from other schools, from other districts, from other states, and to be able to interact with the authors and experts, um, but then to be able to also to network and, and to speak with the other educators in the field. And uh, I, I don't wanna say that teachers aren't working as hard as normal because I'm sure that they are working as hard as normal. But I do think that educators, uh, I'm friends with enough teachers on social media to know that teachers are like a little itch of, I wanna be doing something. I have a little bit, a little tiny bit of extra time. And you have a little more, something. and you have a little more control over your schedule than you ever have in terms of, you know, there is no bell ringing. There is no, <clears throat> excuse me, there's no bell ringing. There's no schedule in the, in its formalized sense, so that maybe you do have time to carve out mm -hmm. um, certain moments that to do those things that you're always thinking, oh, I need to get to that. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to learn more about that. So I think that's a good opportunity. I think it's also a good opportunity, frankly, for us to hear from you as in terms of what's going on in the field. I mean, on a typical you know, if this were a typical March, we would be in, interacting with lots and lots and lots of educators and we'd really be um, hearing from you folks in terms of what's going on and how things are going. And, and we're, we're alone um, together as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's an opportunity for folks to come together in a way that would not have happened without this particular uh, series of events. So, um, so that's kind of the, some of the things that we're working on. But I think as you sort of alluded to, um, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, the work that we do, we are primarily in schools, working with leaders and working with teachers. And so, you know, what are some of the questions that you have? We'd love to be able to uh, take this time that maybe we don't get to be in schools, um, but to answer some of the questions that you have. So you can always reach out to us on social media. Um, you can email us directly, info at eschoolsafety.org. Um, if you are joining us live on the live stream, we always wave to the people joining us live on the live stream. Um, we know a lot of folks are joining us uh, after the fact while they're washing dishes or walking the dog, six feet away from people while they're walking the dog. Uh, if you have a colleague who you wish had heard some of this or you wish could see some of these different resources, um, you can always, probably the easiest way is just to send people directly to the website, which is www.eschoolsafety.org. And we have all of our resources. Um, again, a lot of them are free. Um, we do have some that are low cost and we do have some that are especially low cost now uh, during this time when, when folks are trying to, to get information into the, the hands of the people who need it. So do you have anything else you I wanted would, to add? Yeah, I would like to finish today with, um, I, I've been very interested in hearing from parents. We talked about this in our last podcast of parents that were saying, you know, teachers need to get paid a million dollars. It's been, we, what was the one where it was like day five and one of the kids yeah. had called it a bomb threat or something like that. So they mm -hmm. have all these different, and it's very funny, but it also, um, kind of belays um, a little bit of sense of angst of people, parents saying, am I doing right by my kid? Is this the thing that, that I should be doing? And this is so hard and it's overwhelming and there's so much going on. So I think as educators, we need to support our parents as well as our kids. Um, and so I put together an open letter for parents that we sort of just threw out there on social media, trying to provide some reassurance to folks that what we're doing, what you're doing is okay and it makes sense and trying to provide them a little bit of support of what those things are that we can do that are not so overwhelming and not so, um, so don't seem so difficult that I, I don't know how to teach long division. Mm -hmm. All right, 
but you do know how to teach these other things. And so if you're interested, that's something that we'd like to put out there in circulation and and provide some reassurance to parents too, because they need it. Um, and maybe some of you are wearing both of your hats. I know yeah. as an educator and a parent, I would find it to be very challenging to homeschool my own kids as well. Um, so for what it's worth, it's out there and hopefully we'll provide some reassurance. Well, thanks again for, for joining us. We're always um, thrilled to have people uh, join us live and to listen to some of the podcasts. Again, if you have any questions, you can always reach out to us on the website, eschoolsafety.org. And uh, I guess until next time, we'll talk to you then. Thanks. Uh -huh.